Well, folks, this has been a tough week for me for studying. Um, I told you last week we finished Isaiah chapter 12. That was the end of the Emmanuel section or the Messiah section. And this next section in the book of Isaiah is just not that fun. I wanted to. Believe me, I prayed about skipping it. I asked the Lord, and he said no. What if we read it? Well, because <laughs> I don't trust you to do so. Um, no, honestly, I'm not sure that we'll be reading it each week because it's pretty hard. Um, but there's still, the Lord. what the Lord said to me was there were still truths to be found that were appropriate to where we are today. And that it wasn't to be skipped over or chopped up and only take the parts that you like or the parts that are good or the parts that make you feel good. But I tell you, I really struggled with this. I mean, honestly, from chapter 13 in Isaiah to chapter 27 almost, the next bit of this is just, bleh, I don't like it. And my, I, we had a, Years ago, we had a family expression. There was a little kid that... The, uh, the mommy was telling them no, they couldn't do something, and the little kid looked up and said, Mommy, I don't like your words. And that's basically how I was feeling as I was reading through the next section. I was like, God, I don't like your words. And he said, neither did the people that I said them to originally. That's the problem. Um, so, so this has been a struggle this week. I really, really didn't like it. And as I was praying, and even to this, even to just a few minutes ago while worship was going on, I was like, Lord, what exactly do you want me to say? And he's still forming it in my heart. That's the thing that's so hard. I, I wish that I could say I had a, just a nice outline, but I don't. I have a general understanding of what I need to say to you, and I have been struggling as I have worked on this. So we're not going to read. But I'm going to give you some understanding. I'm going to give you um, uh, an overview of this next section that we're looking at. We're going to be starting with uh, Isaiah chapter 13 verse 1. And we're going to be looking at all the way through to Isaiah chapter 14 verse 23. Now, these... Chapters, verses 13 through 23 and then on to 27. The, what they are, are statements of, from God through Isaiah to the nations around Israel. There's a proclamation to Babylon. There's a proclamation to Assyria. There's a proclamation to Tyre, to, well, just a bunch of them around the area. And... This one that we're looking at this morning is the proclamation to Babylon. Now, the thing that was hard for me as I started reading this was, I am not a scholar when it comes to Old Testament history, or world history, for that matter. And I get confused when I try to think about, because I'm a visual learner a lot. I like to actually see in my in my my hands or in front of me the the things that I'm trying to uh, to learn. I mean, I, when I was in school, if I would read the book, 
I am spatially oriented. I could actually, at the time of the test, I could go back and recall exactly where on the page that particular paragraph was that discussed whatever the topic was. And so for me, it's easy to have a, a, a visual to see. And some of you I know the same way. So I got, Craig, I've lost my, there it is, I've got it. Um, I had this map. There's a book that I bought called Bible Maps Then and Now. And, and what this is, is it's a, a book. Oh my word. I had this thing set to print. Oh my word. It was supposed to take one page out of the whole book and print it 20 times. And I think I got the book 20 times. <laughs> Oh, this is just a good day. <laughs> oh, Father God. All right. Well, I'm going to pull one sheet out. Y'all can figure it out as you go through the stack. The book, the, the map we're looking for is Empires and Kingdoms, Babylonian Kingdom, then and now. Okay? So, unfortunately, you're going to just have to look through it and see what you can find. I'm going to pass this on to somebody else because I have the one on my iPad. And you can look up at the screen until we get these hard copies in your hands. But the thing that, the reason that I wanted this is it helps me to visualize and understand what I'm reading about. Okay? Now, over here, in the big blue area, in the middle on the left-hand side of this map, that's the Mediterranean Sea. You'll see a big island that says Cyprus. You see that in the middle of the Mediterranean? Then come to the eastern shore of the Mediterranean, and you'll see <clears throat> that's where Canaan is, or where Jerusalem is. And I know it's really small on the screen, and that's why... I was hoping to have these handouts for you. Then you'll see some letters in red and some letters in black. The letters in black are the Old Testament era locations of the nations. So you see where it says Babylonia, about halfway, right in the, almost in the center of the page. And just above Babylonia, in heavy black print, you see Assyria. And then down in the bottom right, you see Media and Persia. Craig is using the, the cursor to kind of show you. Media and Persia. That's all of the major world players that were in place during this time that Isaiah was writing. Now, if you look at the red letters and the red lines, that's the current world map. So, see where it says Babylonia and Assyria? Those are what is now known as modern-day Iraq. Media 
and Persia are what are now known as Iran. And then Israel is still Israel. Okay? And there's others that you can look at on your map, but that's the main thing we're looking at this morning. Babylon, Assyria, Media, Persia, and Israel. Okay? But this at least gives you an understanding of where they are in the world. The thing you need to understand as you're looking at this map is that the big green area is where most of the, the Babylon Empire was. Okay, that's where their area of control was when King Nebuchadnezzar and Belteshazzar and Darius and Cyrus and Xerxes were all kings over Babylon. And if you don't recognize those names, you can go to the book of Daniel in the Bible and read all about them. You can also learn about who uh, one of the kings in the book of Esther. Okay? Because Esther was the queen over Babylon. Okay? So, the known world, if you will, to this culture, extended about as far as the green on the map. The media, or Medes, as it says in the Bible, and Persia were the farthermost areas of the world, as far as they were concerned. They would call that the Far East. See, in our culture, when we say the Far East, we're talking about China. But their world culture, they would talk about the Far East as the media and Persia, Medes and Persians. And if you look in this chapter 13, it talks about, in verse um, 17, it talks about stirring up against them, the Babylonians, the Medes. And you'll also see... And I can't find it because I didn't mark it. I'm sorry. Um, a statement talking about where the heavens meet the earth. And what that's talking about is media and Persia. Because if you look to the far east, where the heavens meet the earth, remember they're in a desert area, that region that they're looking at on the horizon would be the Far East, the, the outermost reaches of the known world power, if you will. So basically, and again, as I said earlier, we are not going to read all of chapter 13 and most of chapter 14. You can read that at home. But I want to point out a few things. The very first thing you need to know is Isaiah chapter 13 verse 1 says that this is an oracle concerning Babylon that Isaiah the son of Amos saw. This is an oracle concerning Babylon. Okay? So these words are, to, are about Babylon. They are not to Babylon. 
Okay, These are not Isaiah proclaiming something that's going to be taken to the king of Babylon and read in his court. These words, if you go back and remember, when we first started studying Isaiah, we talked about the fact that Isaiah was a prophet to his own people. Most specifically, he was a prophet to the court, the, the kings of Judah, and that he had some access to the court of Judah and to the temple area. And as a result, he was speaking these words to the leadership of, Ju- of Jerusalem, the, of, the, of the nation of Judah. And so this is a, an oracle speaking to the people of Jerusalem or the leadership of Judah about the nation of Babylon. Okay? And the word oracle, it's like a, the best way to describe it, it's, it's, a, it's a word about doom. It's this pronouncement of darkness over the people that are being spoken about. And then if you go to to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 3, it says, On the day the Lord gives you relief from suffering and turmoil and cruel bondage, you will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. And so the second section of this passage is from... Uh, is, is a taunt that the people of Israel will say about the king. So the first thing is this prophecy of doom, this, this oracle that's coming about, about the Babylonians. And then the chapter 14, most of it, is the words that will be spoken by the remnant that returns from Babylon after they're released. And they'll be talking about the downfall. Of the king of Babylon. We don't need to go into all the details of it. You can read it. Pretty much most of it is self-explanatory. But there is one area that I want to focus on. Because it's not self-explanatory. And then once I do that. That will be the end of the the Bible study lesson. And then we can talk about what this applies. How this applies to my life. So if you'll look at verse 14. I mean chapter 14. Verse 12. Okay, remember this part is the taunt that the people of Judah, the people of Jerusalem and Israel are going to be saying about the the nation of Babylon or the leader of Babylon, the king. And so one of the words that Isaiah has said that this taunt will say is how you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the grave to the depths of the pit. That's the end of verse 15. And if you have a King James, does anybody have King James with them? What does it say in New King James in verse 12? How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. What does it say? O Lucifer. How you have fallen from the heavens, O Lucifer. Is that what it says? Son of the morning star, O Lucifer. Interesting. Hmm. 
So is this talking about that story that we read about where Lucifer tries to take a third of the angels of heaven and lead them in rebellion against God and tries to take over heaven and Lucifer becomes God's, I mean, tries to become God and raise him up higher than God. I mean, isn't that what this is sounding like? It's not what it is. It's not what it is. It's, it's, it's alluding to it. Okay? Some of the things you don't know, because it's not part of our culture, is the Assyrians, and remember, one of the things we didn't know was that Babylon took over Assyria. So the Assyrian world power then fell and Babylon took over. And so they assumed or they absorbed Assyria into them. And part of the nation or the, the world area of Assyria, there was this mountain and it was the mountain of, or it was the sacred mountain. It was the mount of the assembly. Look at verse 13. You, talking about this Lucifer, said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the amount of the assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I think it was Zarephon was the name of the mountain. And in Assyrian culture, on that mountain, which is a real mountain in, I believe it's now Syria, the nation of Syria, that mountain was where the Assyrians believed their gods lived. If you have any understanding of Greek culture, you'll know that in Greek culture, all of the gods of the Greek people lived on the Mount Olympus. Okay? So the Assyrians, their thought was that the, the gods of their culture lived on Mount Zarephon. And the king of Babylon, who took over the culture and nation and power from Assyria, said, I am going to put my throne up on the holy mountain. I will be even higher than the highest of all of the gods. We have an ambulance, folks. Lord Jesus, please be with them. I feel really conflicted. I need to continue speaking. My heart says I need to continue speaking, so I will continue speaking, but be aware of what's going on out there. So this king of Babylon has said, I am going to set myself up higher than the gods. Does that sound familiar at all? Look at Daniel. Don't turn there, but think about it. What was one of the prophecies that Daniel, well, one of the dreams Daniel interpreted about King Nebuchadnezzar? He said, King Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest and most powerful king in the whole universe at this point, you are going to set yourself up as being higher than God himself. That's what your intent's going to be. That's what your heart is going to be. And the end result is, you're going to be laid low, O king. And it literally says in the Bible that King Nebuchadnezzar, for seven years, wallowed in, the, in nature like he was of some wild man. It says his fingernails grew like claws and his hair became like eagle's wings. And it, that's literally dreadlocks. 
And he, he, he was totally just like just a, an animal, a creature. And it says, until he looked up and acknowledged God. And we do have in the book of Daniel a statement from Nebuchadnezzar saying, yeah, I was wrong. He is God, not me. But the thing that's interesting is Isaiah was living 150 years before there was a Nebuchadnezzar. How? How could Amos, the son of Amos, Isaiah, speak a word 150 years before the guy's even born? And have it be true? You see, that's what prophecy is all about. That's what it means to have to, to be able to prophesy. It's not, and this is the thing that, that I thought about when I was when I was reflecting on this. It's not that God controlled and manipulated and made this happen. It's that God was outside of time watching and seeing that it was happening. And so he said to Isaiah, This is what's going to come about. Write about it. So Isaiah writes about it. And these next Seven to ten chapters, or ten, ten, ten chapters, or eleven chapters that we're going to read, 13 through 23, 24, something like that. These are all about God's outside of time speaking to Isaiah about what he's seeing happening on the world stage as an oracle or a message for the people of Israel to hear. Not for the nations that are being written to or about, but for the people of Israel to hear. Because there's some truth there that God wants the nation of Israel to get a hold of and to own. And the reality is, it wasn't like Isaiah was writing to a little farmer on the corner out in the outskirts of Jerusalem. Isaiah was writing to the king, to the leaders of the nation, the ones who were carrying the nation, making decisions for the whole nation, representing the whole nation. And what he was saying to them was, do not put your trust in power and strength. Because at that point in time, 150 years from now, Babylon is going to be the greatest power that the world has ever known. Kind of like the United States. The, the nation of Babylon, if you, if, you, if you know anything about history at all, there is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world located in the city of Babylon that doesn't exist anymore. It was the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Babylon was this, became one of these great, phenomenal, glorious powerhouses of world culture and world dominance. And Isaiah wrote about it 150 years earlier about the downfall of their king because of the king's haughtiness because of the king's pride because of the king's arrogance if you look at Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18 or 18 16 I can't ever remember which it says pride goeth before um, a fall a haughty attitude goes before destruction or maybe I've got it reversed but anyway the point is is that these people that walk in pride and arrogance and haughtiness and think that they can raise themselves up higher are going to come to a point where they find out that that's not the case. And it may look like they're riding high for a long time, but there is a crash coming. Because anytime you try to raise yourself up above God, anytime you try to take an attitude that says, I'm better than God, God is going to pull the rug out and say, oh no, <laughs> oh no. It's not about me. You, it's about me. 
The thing that I find interesting too as I'm just studying this, one last thing on the study, and then we'll get into the truth that the Lord revealed to me. If you were to turn to Jeremiah chapter 50, verses 17 to 18, and you don't have to turn there, but I'll read it for you. Jeremiah chapter 50, verses 17 to 18. Jeremiah is about the same time frame as Isaiah. So he's about 150 years before Nebuchadnezzar as well. Isaiah chapter 50, Jeremiah chapter 50, verses 17 to 18 says, Israel is scattered like a flock, the lions have chased away. The first to devour him was the king of Assyria. The last to crush his bones was Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. What? What? Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, and I will punish the king of Assyria. And it goes on talks about other things. What? Now, the, as I prayed about this, as I was meditating on this, as I was like, God, what is the truth that you want me to speak to your people? What is the truth that you want from me? There was a couple, three million things going through my head, and I didn't have a clear, this is the path. So let me just bleh, share with you the stuff that was on my heart. Number one, I can't speak publicly about this because it's being recorded and I don't want to cause harm. But something happened in my world, my personal world, that brought me to my knees this week. And I have struggled with it since I found out about it. It's not anything that anybody did to me, but it's something that somebody has done that has caused heartache for people that I love and care about. And the end result is, I haven't even had a chance to talk about it with my wife because it's happened and we haven't had a chance to interact yet. So she'll find out about it this afternoon because I didn't want to trash her night last night and I didn't want to trash her morning this morning. And now I've totally trashed her because she's now going, what? <laughs> she has no clue what's happened. Okay? Um, but the bottom line is something that had totally shredded me to the core. And I was like, God! <sighs> Number one, I thought this was a resolved thing in my life. Number two, ah, I'm so upset. And God, ah, I want to kill him, <laughs> sick him, get him, because, oh. And the Lord was just like, mm hmm, mm hmm. That's exactly how I felt about what Nebuchadnezzar was doing to my kids. That's exactly how I felt about what the king of Syria was doing to my kids. And the thing that really trashed me was the fact that my kids forsook me. <sighs> That's what I wanted to do. And I'm God. I had the power. I could have. But I have love and mercy and grace and I have to operate out of that. And so, Bob, I had to say to my people, be patient. There is going to come some recompense. Be patient. I have all of this in control. I'm not wringing my hands over these things that are coming about. I saw them long before they even occurred because I'm outside of time. Trust me. Depend on me. Wait in me. Find your rest in me. Just let it go, Bob. Just let it go, Bob. And so, in me, I am struggling even this morning at our worship time. I was like, ah! And I had to just continue to pray. You heard me in my prayer. It wasn't just me trying to put on a show for you people. This was real for me. And God said to me to tell you, in your situation, whatever it is that's causing you to go, ah, 
Know that he's outside of time and he sees it all and he has a plan and you can trust him. Keep your eyes focused on him. Do not go for the power. Do not try to align yourself with the strength. I could show you in Second Chronicles and in Isaiah chapter 39, I believe it is, where King Hezekiah does something really stupid. Envoys from Babylon come. See, Babylon is the up-and-coming new guys, the ones that are really bringing in the power. And Babylon has taken over Syria. And Hezekiah says, I want to show you all of the treasures that are in my temple and in my palace. Here's the strength that we have. You can align with us and know that we are going to be a good ally to you, Babylon. And Isaiah comes to him after this little negotiation and this little uh, diplomatic meeting, and he says to, the, to King Hezekiah, what just happened? And Hezekiah said, I just made a really cool diplomatic deal. The world power and us, we're going to be like this. Politically, that was a good move. And Isaiah said, dummy, 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 dummy. Do you understand what you have just done? Have you not been listening for all of these many months as I have been telling you over and over and over again? And you do this? And as time has shown, 150 years later, but do you know what Hezekiah's response was? What you're saying to me is a good thing because I'm hearing you say that everything's going to be peaceful and quiet in my lifetime. (laughs) Literally, that's what Hezekiah said. As long as it's good for me, I'm good. But see, God has the overall and knows what needs to happen. And so even though today may not be a good thing, even though today you feel weak because you don't have an alliance with the strong, trust me, don't go and align yourself with the strong. Don't go out there. So that was one of the other thoughts that I had for you guys. Where are you weak? Where are you struggling? Where are you feeling insecure? Where do you see potential help? Where do you see potential hope? Where do you see someone who's stronger, bigger, better that you can join yourself to to help you become better, stronger, bigger yourself? And maybe that's not such a good idea. And you need to ask God about it. Because God has that overall picture and he can see what's coming down the pike that you can't see. And what might look good for today is not going to be good for your house next month or six months or a year and a half from now. And so regardless of how stupid it might sound, you've got to do what you feel God is telling you to do today because he knows what's going to happen in the future. And then the last thing, this was the thing that was really hard for me because I don't like Anyway, Jesus said to me, Bob, when's the last time you actually prayed for President Obama? Wow. Wow. Are you kidding me? I don't be political. When's the last time you prayed for the leader that's over your nation and asked me to help him as he's trying to lead your nation. Wow. Because you see, Hezekiah saw the strength 
and reached for it to make an alliance to protect the security and future of his nation. And we're kind of like the world power that others want to join with us. So even though President Obama and our world, our nation's leaders are the ones looking good to the rest of the world, at least for a while we were, they need to make good decisions too about what's good for us and our nation. So we need to pray. And this is the other thing that God said, and then I'm going to close. Look at this brand, Bob. Isn't it amazing that there's no water in that jug? And all of these leaves have cropped up out of this branch. Isn't that amazing? And you're putting all of your hope and your trust in the fact that the branch leafed out. What are you going to do when the leaves dry up and die and fall off? Are you going to think that I didn't have the power to sustain them indefinitely? See, is your vision and your focus, Bob, on this branch and the miracle that I did? Or is your focus and your attention on me, regardless of whether or not I choose to continue to sustain the new growth on this branch. What is it, Bob? I didn't have an answer. Because quite honestly, that's a cool thing. That's amazing to me. And I have watched that for three weeks going, they're still there. <laughs> they're still there. But today they're starting to wilt. And I hadn't looked at them until after God asked me that question. Because see, where's my trust? Is it in the branch that blossomed? Or is it in the God who caused the branch to blossom? And unfortunately I have to say that I was looking at the branch. And see, that's the problem some people have in their walk with God because they get their eyes off of God and they get their eyes focused on whatever else represents God to them in their life. And then when that falls apart because, oh my goodness, everything comes to an end, then their faith goes crazy haywire because, oh my God, can't you take care of things, God? I mean, come on. I'm riding this wave. It's really good. God is doing some wonderful, cool things in my life, and I'm riding this wave. But reality should tell me that there's a beach ahead of me. And if I have any experience with waves, there's going to come an end to this one. Does that mean that God doesn't exist or have power anymore? Does that mean that there's no more ability for him to do? No, it just means that that season is over. That wave is done, and God will bring another one in his power and in his strength, and we can ride that one until he chooses to let that one stop, and then we'll get on another wave. Because the focus has got to be not on where is the power, not on what is happening, not on what I can align myself to, but it has to be I keep my eyes focused only on you, O oh God, at all times, regardless of what's happening. And I have to listen carefully. And that, that means being intentional.
And that's what God asked me to tell you this morning.